Good morning, everybody. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. It's uh, getting near the end of August. It's August 29th to Tuesday, 2023. And we've got one guest. I'm going to bring everybody on in a few minutes. Elizabeth Brown is here from Ocala, Florida. It's an NASSP show, National Association of Secondary School Principals. We're going to talk about the Principals Recovery Network, which helps school leaders lead and recover from gun violence. We've got Michael Sedlak here. He's from Ohio, but the reason I'm bringing up Elizabeth is because we are waiting today for the arrival of Hurricane Idalia, and Elizabeth is down there in Ocala, Florida, and we're hoping everything's okay, and we'll talk to her in a few minutes, but it's a uh, it's going to be a bad day in, in northwestern Florida, okay, up through uh, the panhandle, et cetera. So we'll get to Elizabeth in just a second. Uh, as I mentioned, this show is going to be about uh, helping school school leaders recover and lead after gun violence. It's very, very important. There is such a thing over at uh, NASSP.org, and it's called the Principals Recovery Network. These two wonderful people were um, co uh, I'll say co-founders. Of the of the recovery network, it, it, it's a it's a great honor to do that, but it's not a pleasant thing to have to have to have to do. All right, so we're going to talk about it in detail. We're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org, ace-ed.org, and that's the home website of our American Consortium for Equity in Education. And we're real concerned about ever, that. Everything we do over there is free at ace-ed.org. <coughs> Excuse me. Please check it out including our magazine, which is called Equity and Access. You'll see the cover. Just click through. Very enjoyable issue. We have all our podcasts over there. Again, you'll see the link and also our Excellence in Equity Awards. We'd love you to be involved. Please dominate companies you work with, your friends, your colleagues, yourselves, your leaders, etc. Okay, anybody's doing great work in equity, you'll see all the categories. Just click through. Again, it's all free for educators at ace-ed.org, okay? We're very proud of the website and the work we do in equity, helping schools make sure that every kid gets the education they need. Without further ado, I'll talk to the hurricane lady, the one and only Elizabeth Brown of O'Cali Charter High School. Elizabeth, welcome. How you doing? It's Larry here. Uh, Good morning. We're doing well down here in Florida. We are prepared for whatever happens and just kind of Staying up to date on the news and weather cast um, as it's in the Gulf now to make sure of what type of hit we're going to take. We know we're going to take a hit. It's just going to be yeah, what magnitude. So we're we're prepared. Um, right now, Cal is in the middle of the cone, so we're preparing for the worst oh. and hoping for the best. Jeez. Oh, well, it, it'll be a three by. It, it'll be a two by then. You think, or it'll be a three category. By the time it gets to us, it's it's predicted to hit the coast at about a low three. So by the time it oh, gets to us, okay. we're about an hour from there. It'll probably be a two. Okay, I hope so. And I, they're no fun. As I wrote you yesterday, I sat through five of them when we lived in Florida, and they are not fun. Okay, they're especially not <laughs> no, fun they after, after, after the storm goes. So everybody be safe, et cetera, et cetera. Now we'll talk to Hurricane Michael Semlak. Hi, Mike. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. Mike, the uh, principal of, um, let me get through, the unit principal, excuse me, we'll tell me what that means in a second, of Hudson High School in a very, very beautiful part of Ohio, in northern Ohio, between Akron and uh, Cleveland is pretty little uh, Hudson, Ohio. And uh, what's a unit principal? What do you do, Mike? It's the same as an assistant principal, just a fancier name. No. (laughs) <laughs> well, congratulations now, on the fancier name. That, that's great. No, and, we, 
yeah. we break uh, we break the students up, so we kind of I have freshmen and a third of the seniors. Oh, nice. Then we have another unit principal with sophomores and a third, and then juniors and a third. And then we kind of have our own um, areas that we focus on. One of mine is uh, safety and security for the district and building. Fantastic. And by the way, I will say it again, Hudson is a very pretty town. Okay, it is. Thanks. For those of you who've never been there, you would agree, Michael, right? Yeah. Yeah, really nice. And also, I want to get back to Elizabeth before we get over to the topic at hand. Elizabeth, <clears throat> excuse me. You're the current principal of Ocali, that's O-C-A-L-I, Charter High School in Ocala, Florida. And if I read this correctly, did the school just open this year? Is it brand new? We did. We just opened just a couple of weeks ago and brought ninth and 10th grade into the building. And over the next two years, we'll build out to the full ninth through 12th uh, high school level. And how does it fit in? How does this charter school fit in with the, I'll call it the county school district down there? What's going on? How's so the fit? way that we fit in, um, in our particular district, the smallest high school is right around 1,700 students, with the largest high school being around 3,000. And that's pretty large for our small county. So the way that we fit in is that we have a smaller atmosphere that's more focused on one-on-one instruction and one-on-one attention to detail. We have all levels of learners in our classrooms, everywhere from at-risk learners all the way up to your accelerated learners. But it's really kind of that niche for students that want a smaller school atmosphere, want to feel like that they are more involved on a personal level with high school, um, with student life, and have a chance to succeed with the same type of programs as the public school, just in a smaller school setting for for their needs. Great. And what county are we talking about, Ocala? Marion County. Marion. Thank you very much. That's yes. Yep. Thank you. And how many kids are going to the school this year? We have uh, close to 80 kids in the school with ninth and 10th wow. grade. When we cap out with ninth through 12th, we'll have 220. Great. I wish you the very best. You're the founding principal over there, so congratulations on that. That's a nice honor. I really mean it. It's very nice. And, Mike, before we go on, I want you to talk about Hudson High, if you want. It's where you are these days. Tell us what, what Hudson yep. is like. Good. Brag uh, a little. Uh, Hudson's um, a great school district. Um, we're very high achieving. We have about 1,500 yeah. kids, so a little bit bigger than uh, Elizabeth's school. Um, <laughs> a lot of students um, involved in sports and AP classes and yeah. theater. I, I think we've won nice. an award for just about everything. So it's a wonderfully involved um, community supported by supported by the community, and yeah. um, just just a great place to be. Yeah, it, as a matter of fact, it is, okay? And Ocala ain't so bad either, except for the next two days, okay? But normally, okay, you've got a hurricane coming. Uh, now I want to get serious about this. We're talking about the Principles Recovery Network, and this is from NASSP, and I'll link it here, but if you go to – if you actually, you could just Google NASSP Principal Recovery Network and you'll find out what we're talking about. But basically what we're talking about is, uh, and again, this affects the kids, certainly. Nobody's denying that. But it also affects other people, including the school leadership, gun violence in schools. And as you all know, it's, uh, it, it scares everybody. Let me just put it that way. And unfortunately, it can happen anywhere, as we have unfortunately learned over the course of time. And if I may, I just, uh, Elizabeth, I'm going to start with you. This is for principals 
and leaders, school leaders who have experienced gun violence in their schools. What, where, where did this happen to you? I'm going to, Mike, I'm going to ask you the same question. I don't want to bring up bad memories, but I'm, everybody would be curious to find that out. So, Elizabeth, with you, where, where, where were you? So our group is comprised of both principals that were on campus the day of an active shooter incident or those that took over immediately after. And so I took over immediately after an active shooter incident at Forest High School here in Ocala, Florida. I took over about 45 days after the incident um, with the mission and vision of going in and helping the school community heal and helping rebuild a school culture for students. So that was then April 20th of 2018. Wow. Mike, your experience, please, if you don't mind. <clears throat> yes, I was an assistant principal at Sheridan High School. In hey, Mike, I said, Mike, are you on a speakerphone? Are you on speakerphone, yeah. Mike? Can you, can you go yes. back to regular phone so we can hear you more clearly? Please, is that better? Yes, it is. Thank you. All right. Um, so in 2012, um, February 2012, I was assistant principal at Chardon High School in Chardon, Ohio, which is um, northeast Ohio. Mm-hmm. And we had an active shooter on campus. Uh, three students were murdered, and oh. three others were shot, one who is um, paralyzed still to this day. Um, so that that's kind of, yeah. you know, how I got involved wow. in this. Um, wow. After our shooting... Um, Thank you. After our shooting, Frank DeAngelis, former principal at Columbine High School, had reached out to... He's been... Yeah, yeah. uh, great great guy. He um, he reached out to our school to see what we needed, what help we could use, Mm. um, what we needed, how, you know, he's been through it, so what he could do to help, um, which was very much appreciated. And, you know, I'd say for the next year after that, we would you know, call Columbine and get help from them whenever we needed it. Um, then, you know, years later, as more of these were happening, you know, kind of in the pay it forward mentality, I started doing the same thing. Um, and at 2018 in West Liberty Salem High School, which is in West Liberty, Ohio, um, they had a school shooting. So yeah. I had reached out to um, their principal, Greg Johnson, and Andy McGill, their assistant principal, um, come to find out other people were doing the same thing, and that's when NASSP got involved. They realized that Good. you know, we were all kind of reaching out, trying to help each other, yeah. and that's when um, Greg Waples from NASSP kind of brought our group together. It's uh, it's so darn important and so shocking. And again, uh, condolences. I'm so sorry, both of you and so many others have had to go through this. And as you were talking about, Mike, I was thinking, when the hell did the word school shooting ever enter our lexicon before Columbine? And who knew what that was going right. to foretell? I mean, it's just I, I still I was in Vegas the day of Columbine and I, I still remember getting back to my hotel and like everybody does turn on the TV and I, I sat there with my mouth agape. Okay. It was beyond, it's beyond belief. And, and it, I don't have to go into all the details of that, but, um, right. it, it, and we, we, we know how much it affects the kids. Okay. It affects the community, et cetera, et cetera. But I have to ask Elizabeth, you were brought in after a, a an incident. Um, 
did why, why? Did, what did was the principal just couldn't go on? He he or she was so upset, or did they just feel like it would be a better for everybody if we had new leadership? What was the what was the rationale behind that? If I may ask. Honestly, I believe. I believe that the principal, the previous principal that obviously, you know, led the school community through the days immediately thereafter, sure. that was already a planned move before the shooting. So um, he was actually receiving a much-deserved promotion. Um, ah, and so they wanted to go ahead and, yeah, they wanted to go ahead and move forward with that. Um, and so whenever they began to look at who they wanted to come in and take over the school, um you know, they approached me about it, and I worked closely with the previous principal just to kind of make that transition as easy as possible. Um, but his move was already planned before the active shooter incident as a, mm. like I said, a well-deserved promotion. So I was very happy for him that he was able to go ahead and go um, and then, you know, work together yeah. with him to kind of step into that position. Sure. I'm sure you did a wonderful job. It's so hard. And on that note, Elizabeth, stay with me here. Okay, you uh, you 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 are both working in, in the principals recovery network, and I I know some I know from experience. Okay, but that, that's experiential. I'm thinking of like, uh, you know, when someone dies, other people in the family join a grief grief group to talk with others about how to deal with their grief. Neither of you are psychologists, obviously, or psychiatrists. Well, how what what information are you sharing? Uh, with with other people who are with other school leaders who are going through this, and I'll ask Elizabeth, and I'm going to ask Mike the same thing when she's done. Okay, Elizabeth, just please talk about that. What what's a meeting like, or a thing like, or however you work this? So I'll let Mike kind of speak to how we oh, pan okay. out whenever we hear this um, going in. But for my part in it, um, the biggest part that that I play is one of the co-facilitators is the minute that we hear about a school shooting, um, K through 12, we begin to kind of gather the troops and figure out who's going to reach out to them. And I'll, ah. in a moment, I'll let Mike speak more to that process. But the biggest uh, piece that we use for support, besides building the relationship with them, is our publication, The Guide to Recovery. And um, oh, okay. that guide is a, a very quick read, very pragmatic, um, can be used reactively or proactively, and it is strictly a document that is written from the hearts of our members for what they went through, what they learned yep. from what they went through, things that we might have done differently, things that we definitely would do the same um, when we reach out to them. And like I said, Mike can speak to that process, but when we reach out to them, the very first thing that we do um, along with talking to them and, and starting to build a relationship with them is we send them that guide and we explain to them that these are our words, these are our thoughts, these are the things that we found valuable in the days, months, and years in the aftermath of an active shooter incident on our campus. So that's that's our major um, piece of tangible support that we give, and then I'll let Mike kind of speak to, to those other areas in which we build relationships with principals. Thanks, Elizabeth. Mike, you want to continue? Yeah, so, you know, when we meet, um, it's definitely a different bond. It's a different... Um, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, we, we've been through something that, you know, you've read about that or seen on that TV. nobody should go through, that you've been through and, something and that correct. nobody should go through. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. we we kind of say we're in a, we're in a club that no one wants to be in. Yeah, um, damn right. But you know, these these principles are are like family. I mean, we could we could be sitting around, you know, having dinner on a Zoom meeting and laughing and crying and you know everything in between. Um, but when we do reach out, um, you know, we call, we um, send emails, send certified letters, anything that we can do to get in touch with, um, you know, those school leaders um, immediately following a tragedy of gun violence. Um, yep. Phones are being screened, emails are being spammed. I mean, you'd be shocked at the number of um people that are, are trying to, you know, spoof a school or, or try to, yeah. you know, get in for yeah. malicious reasons. Um, so we, we do our best to get a hold of those principals and school leaders um, and just, just be a listening ear. You know, our, our guide to recovery is, like Elizabeth said, it's our words. It's, it's what worked for us at the time. Um, as time evolves and situations are different, things are going to be different. So it's just kind of like, here's what worked for us. Let's talk through what will work best for you and your school community. Um, you know, again, it's it's keeping the kids at the forefront and making sure that they're safe and comfortable coming back to school and reentering a building, you know, that, that something terrible happened. Um, and maybe that's not the case. But, um, you know, it's really just kind of finding what works best for those those leaders and school students community. Mike, what are the common denominators in recovering from this? Uh, have you found that, that it would, that quote unquote, it works everywhere or is there such a thing um, that works everywhere? <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure there, I'm not sure there's a, you know, a, a one size fits all. I, I think definitely, yeah. you know, listening to the students and getting their input, um, you know, students are going to want to do different things depending on what their school culture and community was like prior to the shooting or the tragedy. Um, so they might want to keep some of their pre-shooting traditions. They may want to change some things. Um, so really listening to to the students and to the staff. Um, you know, if your staff's not well, um, the kids aren't going to yeah. be well. So. That's you know, right. Making sure you're listening to the people. You know, we talk a lot about servant leadership and education, and making sure that you're serving the students and serving the uh, staff and serving the community as to what their needs are. It, it's so it's so important. Of course, every the country is culturally different in different places. It's got to be difficult. And, and, I, and I, Elizabeth, what's the um, uh, the standard reaction, which is a hard thing to say on this in this case, but the standard reaction by a school leader to this, does it start with the kids? Does it start with them themselves? Does it start with the school culture? Does it start with guilt? I mean, uh, school leaders must, must feel guilty that this kind of thing happened on their on their turfs. Okay, well, what what's the sense you get I of think, that? What, yeah, please. Thank you. Good. School leaders, school leaders by by just nature are nurturers and rescuers, and so right. a lot of times school leaders are going to start with their students. They're going to start with the the heartbeat of their school. And for my situation, I'm I met with uh, our student leaders within 24 hours of walking on the campus, 
and just talk through, not just about the active shooter incident, but just talk through where is the school from the student's point of view? What do you want that that needs to be changed? And how can you continue to communicate these things with me? So immediately set up a communication plan with students. And then I reached out to the parents um, and said, you know, I'm going to be talking to your students. My door is always open. Please come in and talk to me. I had a lot of parents that summer in between me taking over and the first of the school year had a lot of parents coming in and I, they really just wanted to sit and talk. They didn't have any demands. They didn't have any issues. They just wanted me to understand what the school had been through on that day. And then of course, reaching out um, yeah. to, to the staff within a week of getting there, I did a thing called bagels with Brown and we just had bagels <laughs> in the main office area. And I had about two hours that I didn't schedule anything. And I just sat there and, you know, they came in for some of them. They talked about the shooting for some of them. They didn't say a word about the shooting. Um, but just that listening, if I mean, if it's the one place to start with school leaders, if you've been in the building whenever it happens, Mike can probably speak better to that. But from what I'm understanding from my yeah. colleagues on the PRN, if you've been in the building, you gotta you got to take care of yourself. you got to make sure that you're taking care of yeah. yourself as you serve others. For those that have not been in the building, just walk in and listen. Just just listen. Yeah. That That to me is is the main piece um, that begins the healing process is the school leader just listening to what the school environment needs. And, you know, you're right. Sometimes we forget you got to take, and this is, of course, any type of grief situation, you forget you got to take care of yourself. It's the old analogy of uh, in an airplane, put your oxygen mask on first and then give it to your child, then put your child's on. Okay, and it's the same thing. Mike, Yeah, talk about that. Okay, you know, do do people do school principals who are leaders? Do they understand how they got to take care of themselves? Do they get it? It's hard. I mean, you don't. Sometimes you don't even realize what kind of state you're in. Just acting on the group. Yeah, I think um, again, going back to the servant leadership, I think um, we look at our staff, we look at our students, we try to do, you know, whatever we can for them, and forget about ourselves, you know, sometimes. Yeah, you can't and, do that. Um, you know, can't do that. you can't, but, you know, by nature, it's, yeah. you know, I want to make sure everyone's, again, safe coming in the building, feel safe, you know, getting the needs, um, you know, their needs met. And it's, you know, long hours and long days and nights and sleepless days and nights. And then, oh, I'm you know, sure. depending, on the, <clears throat> depending on the situation, you know, then you have funerals and you have, you know, calling hours to go to and things like that. And, um, you know, at some point, yeah, you have to take a step back and say, okay, I need to do this. But um, I wouldn't say it's wow. the first thing on our minds, unfortunately. And I hope, by the way, I hope we're talking to a whole audience of educators and I hope none of this ever had, like Mike and Elizabeth, none of the, I, with a little luck, none of this will ever happen to any of you. But boy, it is horrifying when it does and I, I know you guys all went to washington okay to talk with i think you went to washington but you certainly talked to members of congress okay uh, all about school shootings all about how to uh, you know lessen the the challenge the recommendations etc uh i'll go back to elizabeth elizabeth what was that like okay were you there what, what were the what, what did congress oh, absolutely. have to say about all this yeah go ahead 
Well, what I can tell you is our lawmakers, no matter what side of the aisle they sit on, school safety is important to them. Good. School safety Good. is an, a never-ending topic with them. Um, they they do keep it, you know, in their agenda. They do keep it in, you know, their minds. What we do is we make sure that it's a front burner conversation because school shootings are still happening. Um, school safety still needs to be a major, you know, focus of our lawmakers, whether it be at the municipal area or the national area, because students can't learn. We cannot prepare our next generation unless they feel safe. And so as we go to Washington, D.C., and, and we have been several times to the Hill, um, oh, as well as Excellent. meeting with other entities like Homeland Security and the Domestic Policy Council mm. um, for wow. the White House, we have met with quite a few entities in D.C. just to talk through, including the Department of Education, how can we collaborate to bring our message and bring our advocacy agenda to the forefront of our lawmakers' minds. And then as we sit with lawmakers, we just tell them our story. Um, we share our personal, um, you know, memories of what's happened. Mm -hmm. We share sure. what has gone on since. Um, and we share what we need. And they are very receptive. Um, and normally, immediately after our visits to Washington, D.C., we immediately go into action mode. Um, Myself and the other co-facilitator, as well as NASSP, have been meeting on a regular basis with the Department of Education, following up with our lawmakers that we talked with. Um, they always have an open door for us. They always make time for us. And we have some very productive conversations that I believe lead to several of the different bills that we have seen come to the floor lately about school safety and what is needed for students to be safe in their learning environment. Uh, that well said, and uh, to thank you, Elizabeth. Mike, what what is the agenda here? And talk about some of those bills Elizabeth was talking about. But what's the agenda? I mean, obviously, it's very easy to say, and it, you know that I'm against school violence, I'm against gun violence, and uh, you know anything sure. we can do. But the question is, what do we want to do? What would, as you folks go in there, what are you asking members of Congress, both state and national, uh, you know, legislatures? Um, what what are you what are you asking for? What are you asking them to do? Sure. One of the things we really pushed um, this past June was trauma informed schools. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's basically all the adults in the school community, so admin, teachers, parents, law enforcement staff, just being able to uh, recognize and respond to those who've been impacted by traumatic stress. Um, so whether it's, you know, an adverse childhood experience or, um, you know, just learning the behaviors and things that um, might be red flags for our students and then mm. providing them with support and implementing um, what's called trauma-informed practices in schools. Yes. So, you know, whether that's training, uh, referral mechanisms to, you know, link students to treatment and intervention services in the school or outside the school, in the community, and just forming partnerships between the schools. But, you know, we're really asking our leaders to fund those things, um, you know, fund the training, fund sure. the pipeline so that there are clinical counselors out there to help our students 
um, when we need, you know, I know we have students that are, are waiting, you know, weeks or months just to meet with a counselor outside oh, of school. Oh, it's terrible these days. Um, terrible there's not enough and, people. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and along those lines, the, the teacher pipeline is lessening, which means the oh, admin terrible situation. is lessening. And um, so, you know, just, you know, working with us and working with outside communities to um, increase those things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I want to ask, and this is, you know, you said you guys went to Washington. Mike, stay with me here. But, well, you're in Ohio. Let's just use Ohio. Okay. And, and sure. you all know this. Everybody I'm talking to knows this. Education is a state function, though we do have certainly a federal department of education. Okay. So, I'm, I'm, and, and also our national legislature. But my question is, okay, when you ask for funds, Okay. Are, are we also working with the state uh, legislatures and the state departments of education to make this happen? Okay. And I, I recognize you need funds from the feds. Okay. It's always good to get money from the feds. All right. But what about state? Have you, have you gone to uh, Columbus and talked yeah. to everybody? You know, down in Absolutely. Florida, Tallahassee. Actually, yeah. 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 We actually have Don't not, go today you know, to I, Tallahassee, by the way. Yeah. Don't go today. Yeah. <laughs> Says wait till, wait till um, Friday. Yeah, yeah. We we've actually met with our um, state elected officials in Washington um, and, and talked about it there. Kind of when we're all together, I've, I've met with. Um, I talked about West Liberty Salem principals earlier. Yeah. You know, we've gone into some meetings together and talked um, with our local legislators. Um, you know, it's just trying to find time to actually pin them down and meet with them face to face. That's the tricky part. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're, they're busy too, but they are. They school are. safety should be still be at yeah. the uh, at the yeah. forefront. Yeah, it. You know, you got to put a balance in there, and it's got to be worked on by the states. But the fact of the matter is, we really have to continually do something about this and not let not drop the ball. Because it's only gotten – actually, that's a good question. I was going to say it's only gotten worse, but as a matter of fact, has it? Uh, I'll ask Elizabeth. Elizabeth, when we look at school violence these days as opposed to, I'll say, 10 years ago or whatever, is it worse or is it better? Where are we? Do you know? I think when you begin to gauge whether it's worse or better, I think what you have to look at more than anything is the frequency of shooter, active shooters on a school campus and how you're responding to it. So we are having more frequent acts of violence on school campuses, but the way in which administrators and districts and superintendents respond has evolved um, quite a bit. And so that's, that's a very positive thing. I mean, obviously I'm in the state of Florida, very close yep. to the former and current principal of Marjorie Stoneman. They're actually part Absolutely. of our PRN as well as, you know, close friends. So uh, in yeah. our state, our everything about school safety, <clears throat> excuse me, is driven by the Marjorie Stoneman Doug Douglas Act. Of and so when we began to talk about, is it worse or is it better? I mean, when someone wants to commit an act of violence, if they're truly committed to that, they're going to find a way to do that. I believe that our situations have improved because we are more proactive in that area. Um, school leaders, students, districts, superintendents are more prepared. It is a front burner topic, especially here in the state of Florida. Oh, yeah. um, and it is something that you know leads and guides and drives everything that we do 
all the way from hardening schools to teaching, um, you know, students about mm-hmm. how to prevent school safety, see, say, see something, say something, say do something, something right. um, you know, to the mental health um, professionals that we have on campus serving our students. So when we look at 10 years ago, these things were not necessarily a focus and necessarily a front burner topic like they are now. So to me, even though our acts of violence may increase, I mean, they are throughout society, our reaction yes, to are. it is more solid than it was 10 years ago. And our proactive um, behaviors and our proactive, you know, steps that we take um, to prevent and prepare, I believe, have improved greatly over the past 10 years. That was a great I, answer. I also think, Thank you. Go ahead, Mike. I also think it has, it has to do with, um, you know, social media and how quickly – yeah. information can get out now. Good point. You know, even 10, 15 years ago, it, it took some time. Schools had time to prepare statements on what happened and gather facts and, and get that information out versus the instant, you know, updates on yeah. your social media platform. Um, even yesterday with the um, UNC Chapel Hill shooting, you know, we had former students from my high school attending there, and and we're getting live updates like, "Hey, I'm sitting on the floor in a classroom right now," and um, you know, you have that instant updates on what's happening. Um, and it, is it more or less? I I don't know. I you know, someone yesterday said, "How is this stuff still happening to our children?" How is it? And, and that's I a good question. Isn't it? biggest question. How, how is it still happening? Why is my nine-year-old now 10, you know, at the end of last year, he's like, oh, was there another school shooting? How, how is a third grader asking me, oh, dad, there was another school shooting? How is that even a, a, yeah. a phrase yeah. that comes out of a nine-year-old, you, you know, and going to school yeah. now in fourth grade? And yeah. I, I mean, I, I just... It's frightening. It's frightening. Yeah. It's frightening. And by the way, I didn't even know about this thing at the University of North Carolina. I read the paper today. I didn't even see it in there. Okay, left one faculty member dead and prompted an hours-long lockdown and search for the suspect at UNC Chapel Hill. Okay, this is yesterday. Yeah. Okay, I, got thank, um, I can say thank you, but thank you for letting me know, Mike. And, uh, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it, it's, I didn't even know that happened. All right, and of course, just to take it further in Florida, we had the Jacksonville thing a few days ago, in my opinion, a racially motivated shooting and nothing to do with schools. But this is everywhere. We can't, it's it's so difficult, okay? It's so difficult. And you know, you mentioned before about the the teacher pipeline. And uh, one of the things that's happening out there, I'm sure, and I'm only saying this from my own personal thoughts, you know, people are thinking twice like a, te- a teacher who got shot in Virginia um, uh, last year, okay? People are getting, thinking twice, is this a safe job? Who would have ever thought one of the more dangerous jobs in, in someone's mind would be teaching, okay? Right. Whoever, who, who would ever in a million years when we were all younger think of that, okay? It doesn't even make sense, and it's, just, it's, it's horrifying. And I am so glad you guys are doing this. Because this is so important. And, Mike, I want to ask you one last question. Okay, you had a shooting at Chardon, okay, and you were, you were there, all right? The next day or the two days when you had to go back, what was it like? How were the kids? How was everybody? I mean, it's a hard um, so, question. So, 
But yeah, yeah. so um, we were so that happened gotta on be, a Monday. Kids didn't come be back until until Friday. Um, oh wow! We you know admin stuff. We we had to go back and do some things and have staff meetings stuff like that. But you know having the kids come back in the building was probably one of the most empowering. Um, yeah. Moment. Uh, nice work. You know, just having Good them. Work. They marched from, you know, there's a little um, gazebo in the center of town. They all met there and they walked um, from the wow. center of town. The streets were lined with the elementary schools and, and supporters wow. of them. And they all walked into the building. And our uh, superintendent, um, who has passed since, he was standing outside and hugged every single student oh. and staff member that came in the building. And it was, you know, I get, get chills just talk, talking yeah, about it. But, it's a tearjerker. Um, just very It's a tearjerker. What a good to, community. Yeah. Yeah, to have them wow. take back their school. Yeah, and you got to tell you got to, so. yeah, I hate to put it in this thing, but you got to get back on the horse, okay, and make yeah. people feel safe again. And it's it's. It's, it's it's brutal times we live in, and I'll tell you, Mike Mike Semelak and uh, Elizabeth Brown, what you guys are doing is absolutely, it's incredible, and I hope people take full advantage of it. I I really uh, admire your work here with all this. Thank you, Elizabeth, and good luck with that hurricane today. Stay dry. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you were great, Mike Sedlak. Thank you, my friend. Uh, continue good fortune with everything, and have fun at Hudson. Okay, and good luck Thank with you. your school, Elizabeth. You got a brand new school there. Thank so you have so fun much. with that. Yeah. Okay. Going let's look to the bright side. <laughs> new school year. Let's get through and have a great year. Thank you both. You're both right. you're both doing great work. Thanks a million. Thank bye you. Bye bye. Appreciate it. Uh, you're you. welcome. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Wow. Bye. Thank you. Wow. Two great people. Thank you. Elizabeth Brown and Mike Semlack. Mike's at Hudson High School. He's a unit principal there. And Elizabeth's opening a new school, the Ocali. With an I at the end, rather than a charter high school in Ocala, Florida. And they're having a hurricane today, or tomorrow, whatever. So uh, stay safe down there. All right, and stay safe in your school, and just remember this is there, God forbid, you ever need it. All right, and it's NASSP, and just Google NASSP Principles Recovery Network, and I'll, I'll try to link this, link this here today. We're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org, and I do hope you share this one. A tough topic, but I hope you share it with everybody. It's over at ace-ed.org. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. Thanks for listening. This is the smell of a warm, three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get hefty, ultra-strong with new Fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.